Hey, you guys. I just wanted to welcome you. My name is Jeannie Cox, and I had the pleasure of getting to talk to you and hang with you and, um, and enjoy the time up here on the stage with Leslie Berry. Thankfully, the canoe finally made it home to Sophie and Max's house. But we um, were with you last year, and can you believe how fast it's flown? This one month has just evaporated. We are so glad that you're here. We're glad you're here if you're returning and coming back for more. We're so thankful that you're here if this is your first time. And we are the NEST, and NEST is an acrostic that stands for Nurture, Encourage, Strengthen, and Train You as Young Moms. Anybody from their first baby all the way up through elementary who really want to take ground in their walk and be anchored in Christ is our theme this year. We're going through um, Hebrews 12 and just looking at all the different aspects and little facets and breaking that verse down. So I really encourage you to, as you calm your hearts today, if you're just flip over to that passage, be reading through it at your home. If you don't know what you're doing with your kids or what you're memorizing or what you're taking ground in, in scripture for this year, maybe look at Hebrews 12. But we are thankful, thankful that today Jill and Amy are going to teach us about fixing our eyes on Jesus and getting focused. And I know a lot of us come into the new year with resolutions and ideas and ways we're going to do that. And they are going to take us down a path of what that looks like um, very practically for us as young moms. And I wanted to tell you, Amy also um, helps head up with Jen some of our hand and feet ministry because you want to fix your eyes on Jesus, but then you want to know what you want to do with your hands and feet as a result. And so on our Facebook page, we have a fix your eyes, little thankful note um, thing that you can do, a hands and feet with your kids, just an idea of a way you can serve this month. And then next month, there'll be a different one up there um, where you will go and you'll be able to take and um, go and visit some of the senior citizens and really use and be very, very active with your faith and loving and, and taking what you know to be true and putting it into action. And so we're super thankful for that. We also want you to know this can almost be like a little mini retreat weekend if you want to, because you can do the nest today and then go home and maybe enjoy your family tonight. And then tomorrow night at seven o'clock, Nika Spalding and Cali. Nixon, who's one of our young moms, and um, they're going to lead us in an incredible night of recharging and refueling and retanking and refocusing ourselves. And it's all women, all ages and stages. My teenage daughters, my middle school and senior high girls are coming, bringing their friends. It's a great first event just to bring a friend who might not have ever you know, just might need an extra, some extra wind in her sails and get reconnected or are newly connected with the Lord. And so come seven o'clock tomorrow night. Um, and we hope that you enjoy it. And we are ecstatic that you are here with us and thankful that you are starting off your new year. Um, we try to start our, our time together with one little tip, uh, something that we can give you that just kind of whets your appetite. And um, one of the things that struck me from the journey, if you guys are following the journey this week in Psalm 8, was it says, what's the one thing that silences the foe and the avenger and the one thing that will build a stronghold around you against your enemies? And it's in Psalm 8 too. And I'm not going to give it away, but you have lots of it in your house. And so I want you to take that powerful tool that they give us in in Psalm 8 too and harness it today and... um, Really think about what are the ways that you are going to attack the lies and the untruth and, and the um, temptations and trials that he comes at you with. And look at Psalm 8-2 for what you've got going on in your house. It does two things. My kids, it took them like probably five minutes to finally boil it down last night to one word that's in that verse. What silences the foe and the avenger 
and what um, will help you build a stronghold against your enemies and be thankful that that's the stage of life we're all at. Now, Jill and Amy have us around our table. We want to discuss the purpose of an anchor. When, where, and why might we need an anchor? What for? I guess physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, whatever aspect you want to take it. So you guys have fun with that, and then Jill's going to come off come up and get us kicked off. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. I pray you would just anoint this time. Help us to put aside everything that hinders us and the sin that entangles us, that has followed us in the door, Lord. May we check it. May we fix our eyes on Jesus. Show us what it looks like to run with endurance the race you've marked out for us. And help us, Lord, today to be more fixed and focused on you than we've been. Definitely walking in the door, but in the days that um, have passed. And help 2017 to be a year that we are truly anchored deep in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. So wrap up your... um little table discussion. Thank you for talking about anchors. I want to introduce myself. I'm Jill Moore. I am uh, one of the Nest Mentor Moms here for you guys. There's five of us. Um, I wanted to show you my family. Been married to Doug for almost 25 years, 25 years this summer. Uh, We have Benson, who is 20. He's in college. And Brooke, who is 17, and she's a sophomore in high school. We have also a nine-month-old puppy that is keeping us uh, on our toes at home. What? What did I say? Oh, she's a junior. Yes, she's a junior. Time flies. Thank you, Millie. I'm glad you're sitting down there. Um, I am really, I feel very fortunate to be able to talk this morning about being anchored in Christ. Um, and it's been really beneficial to me personally to prepare for this. So thanks for being here. And um, let me pray before we get started. Lord God, um, I'm just thankful to um, have been able to be studying your word intensely these past few months. Um, Thank you for the women here. I pray this morning that you would speak to every heart here about um, being deeply connected to you. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be responsive um, after we hear your truth. In Christ's name and because of him, we are able to pray to you. Amen. I'm going to take us back to Hebrews 12, like Jeannie talked about. Jeannie, thanks for um, refreshing our memories on that. Hebrews 12, 1, I'm going to read it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and remember we talked about anchored in faith, that was our first meeting, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. We talked about anchored in simplicity for that one. Um, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, anchored in freedom, and then in let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us, anchored despite exhaustion. If you were able to be here for any of those, I'm sure that you were greatly encouraged. So today we start in verse 2. Um, we, it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Um, So today, like she said, we're going to focus on that phrase, keeping our eyes on Jesus. You've probably heard it before, uh, most of you. And if you're like me, you're kind of like, okay, what? 
does that really mean? Like, what do I even mean when I say that? So we're going to talk about it today, um, anchoring ourselves to him. So why did we choose this theme, Anchored, for the nest, this, this last semester this year? Um, you talked about it a minute ago. What does an anchor do? Okay, well, I thought a lot about this. And, um, of course, it, an anchor is strong. An anchor keeps us secure. You drop an anchor where you want to be, where you want to stay. Um, it, it's immovable, secure, and keeps us from drifting. So keep those things in your mind this morning. I want, and I hope you want, to be anchored to something strong like that, and that would be Jesus Christ. Um, he himself, if you have your Bible, turn to John 15, 4 and 5. He himself talked about this and taught us. Um, and to me, that, that speaks very loudly. Verse 4 and 5. Remain of John 15. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, so another reason to be anchored to Christ. Um, he has a lot for us to do as believers. And I know that I want to do all that, that he has planned in advance for me to do. But apart from him, I, can, I can't do any of those things. Uh, and you can't either as a mom, as a wife. So that's another reason. We just want to be anchored. Um, another reason I, I just really love is that, I mean, do you know, do you believe that the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ, King Jesus, is ruler over every aspect of our lives? Ephesians 1.22 says, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And that means every situation, every relationship, every conversation, every circumstance of our lives is ruled by King Jesus. And we, I mean, the creator of the universe. So being fixed to him and connected to him is what we want. Is what I know what I want. Um, and as Amy and I prepared for this, we really prayed and thought about, we prayerfully asked questions of God. How can we become anchored in Christ? How can we stay that way? Um, how can we pursue him and deepen our relationship, and what does it look like as a young mom um, to do this? And even as an older mom, what, what should this be looking like for me now? So we want to talk about the so what, and um, Jeannie said, yeah, the practicality. I know you come here to be, like she said, nurtured, encouraged, strengthened, and trained. And so we're going to hit, hopefully, all those things today, and probably big on the training part. So, um, as, well, and as you, the last part of that is as you raise the next generation of Christ followers. So, um, I thought about, like I said, what does that really mean? I mean, I don't like when I hear phrases that we kind of, as Christians, sometimes we say a lot, um, fix your eyes on, keep your eyes on Jesus, and what does that really, really mean? So, I thought of a, of a picture um, that may help us, I hope, um, when, so, yeah, there's the picture. So when my son was, that does happen to be his girlfriend with him, his precious little Emily. Um, when he came home for Christmas break this, this time, he decided that he needed to buy himself a new phone. And so he sold his phone on eBay and 
He went to the Apple store and bought the newest, which probably all of y'all know this, but I didn't really know this. But the camera on the new iPhone is really, really good. And it, one of the cool things about it that my kids were both very excited about was that the, you can blur the background of a, of a picture. And um, I don't know. So they just said, we don't even need a big camera. Let's just take this one to the game, and you got to take our picture. So, so we did. And so if you can look at the background. I mean, this is an Army football game. There's a lot going on back there. But when the background is blurred, you're really, you can really focus on those two awesome kids right there in the picture. And, but what the most important part of the picture is what we want to focus on. So kind of imagine that, do you know this hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Does anybody know that? Okay, will you be brave and sing it with me? Okay, so we're just going to take a second. Think about it. (laughs) Y'all back there said you would sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Thank you for doing that. Um, so do you know what I mean when we can focus on Christ in our life? Our worries, our anxieties do really blur, and we can look at him. And even the good things, you know, that we get tied up in and busy with, um, we really need to be able to focus on him. So anyway, out of those same prayers that Amy and I um, prayed, we came up with three really main uh, things to focus on today, ways that we can focus on, that we can be anchored in Christ. So I'm going to talk about being anchored in his work, which is the gospel, his work for us. And you can follow along on your handout. should be pretty clear. There's not a lot on there. Um, And maybe you can take some notes in those little white spaces. And then anchored in his word to me, the Bible. That's the next section. And then Amy's going to come up and talk about being anchored in his will. And one thing that I realized after writing those was they're all eternal things. His work, his will, and his, way, and his word are all things that are never going to go away. Um, and then so after each section, we'll just give you guys a little bit of time to reflect quietly um, as we go. Okay, so let's start. Um, anchored in his work for me, the gospel. So back to our verse in Hebrews 12, 2, if you remember, uh, it leads us right into the gospel. After it says, um, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of our faith, it, it goes on to say, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So that gives us a pretty good indication of where we are to be thinking on as we fix our eyes. And then as we read um, in the Bible also, 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, I passed on to you, this is Paul, I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. So he's saying here, Christ died for our sins just as the scripture said. That's the most important thing that he wants us to be thinking about. So I... um, Well, the, the gospel saying, I just am going to go right through what I just wrote out the gospel in one, one way here. Um, it is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross as he died to pay the penalty for our sin. Um, he was res- buried and resurrected three days later, victorious over sin so that we could walk in freedom. 
Um, and we can live now and forever in intimate daily relationship with God, um, our creator, if we believe that by faith. Um, so it's the most, really the most important news we will ever get, um, the most valuable gift we'll ever receive, and really the most life-changing truth that we could ever believe. So again, let's be anchored to that. I'm going to challenge you today to do two things. And the first thing is to remind yourself and preach to yourself the gospel every single day in some form. If, you, if we can remind ourselves of the gospel every day, it's going to do wonders for our thinking, for our spiritual life. Um, and honestly, I didn't as I was, I've been studying for the past, you know, little while about this, but I didn't really realize that in the New Testament, especially when Paul is is writing letters to the churches and all of the times that the gospel has been presented, many times it's presented to believers. They're already believers. He's reminding them of the truth of Christ so that they'll know how it affects their living or how it should affect their living. Um, he wants to encourage them um, and teach them about now what do you do with this going forward. So tons of times it was two believers reminding them. And so we need to do that for ourselves and follow that example. So um, I have a favorite little book. It's called A Gospel Primer for Christians, um, written by Milton Vincent. And it, he says, re-preaching the gospel and then showing how it applied to life was Paul's choice method for ministering to believers. So again, I mean, let's do this. Let's, let's commit to preaching the gospel to ourselves. That's a simple thing to do. Um, it is the most important truth we could, we could give ourselves every day. And then see, like, what's going to happen when we flood our minds with that every day? Um, some things came to mind that, that might happen and hopefully will happen that we'll be reminded um, of Christ's gifts to us of his love, when you're thinking about what he did for us, his love, the gift of eternal life that he gives us, we're going to be reminded of. We're going to be reminded of the freedom from our sin um, that we have here on earth and eternal life. Um, And that is going to cause us to praise the Lord. And so that might be a little hint of what Jeannie's question was. Um, What silences the enemy? I'm not giving the answer, but... It might be right there. Um, and we are, we're going to be renewing our minds, which is going to affect the way we think about everything. So preaching the gospel ourselves also is going to hopefully help us grow in godliness, uh, in forgiving others, in our confidence as we share that with other people in our lives, and especially with our kiddos, um, we're just going to have it on our minds. It was going to help us to serve sacrificially. I was just thinking of all the things, like just creating thankfulness for our salvation and humility, knowing how much we need him. Uh, and really, the, there are hundreds of things that it could be doing for us. And so other reasons to help you remember why we want to do this. Um, another fun way to incorporate the gospel into your daily life is to study the scriptures and See how many different ways it's written um, by the, many, the different writers that are in the New Testament. There are a lot of them, and they say it in all different ways. It's all the same truth, but it's written real creatively. I found, um, even just in a short time, it's, I'm sure that it's in every book of the New Testament, but I found it multiple times, not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but in Acts, 
Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, Hebrews, 1 John. Um, I know it's in Revelation. It just keeps going. So just kind of challenge yourself to find those things. Um, and you'll like the way that it's written in different words and can apply to our lives. So um, also memorize it. Memorize it so that when you're living life, you can just say it to the person that needs to hear it. Because um, we can't trust in something that we don't know. So that's my challenge to you. Um, I came across another really pretty expression um, by a, an author that I read almost every day, Paul David Tripp. Um, he says, Jesus would be righteous in every way, yet judgment would fall on him. He would experience the full weight of God's anger over our sin, so we wouldn't have to. And his death would satisfy God's anger. His righteousness would be attributed to us, and his resurrection would guarantee us life. So, And if you've been around Watermark very long, you've heard... Um, Todd or some of our other pastors say something along these lines, know it, believe it, pray it in, and live it out. So that's really um, one of our main goals as believers. So hopefully if we're preaching the gospel to ourselves, we'll be able to do that on an ongoing basis. It also occurred to me that um, there could be multiple people here that might not have ever heard the gospel or may not really know Jesus as your personal Savior. If not, um, our prayer today already has been and is that you would be moved to know him and to know his lavish love for you. And so if you are in that uh, situation, come up. I mean, we want to talk about it. We want to tell you how much he loves you. We want to explain it all to you uh, and answer any questions that you need answered. So I want you guys to take a little bit of time, quiet, just alone by yourself here, not table discussion, but alone by yourself, and I'm going to reword this a little bit, um, the question at the bottom, how will you begin to preach the gospel to yourself more often um, after thinking about this, and how might this change the way that you parent your little ones? Okay, so just take about probably three, four minutes. Okay, thanks for taking that time. Um, we're going to go now to just focus on his word and being anchored in his word to us, um, the Bible. In Joshua 1.8, um, we are told, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Um, so God's word tells us about itself, and it also tells us about ourselves. Um, what it tells us about itself, I just made a little a, a list of a few things. It tells us that it is absolutely true, it's alive, and it's active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It is God's letter to us, his people. Um, it's from him, and it's useful, and it equips us, and it's worthy to be meditated on and memorized. Um, it's freedom for us. It's like a treasure. These are some things that you can look for as you're studying as well. What about the Bible? It does not return empty or void and accomplishes the purposes for which it was set out. Um, it, if we store it in our hearts, it will keep us from sin. It keeps us pure. It's full of his promises to us. It's a firm anchor for us. Of course, I love that one for today. So there's hundreds of blessings um, about Scripture in Scripture. 
And a great place to start learning that is um, maybe you already have read Psalm 119, the longest psalm, but most of Psalm 119 is about God's Word. And so that's a great place to start, um, reminding yourself of how important that is. Um, Two verses I pulled out of 119 are verse 61, evil people try to drag me into sin, but I am firmly anchored to your instructions. And then verse 93, uh, I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. And we want life, and God wants life for us. Um, so how do we do this? Like how, what does it look like for, what does it look like for moms who are nursing, for a mom who has two sets of twins, a mom who um, has anti-nappers, or no, pe- people that don't enjoy sleeping, um, <laughs> Or it needs to be in four places at one time, she feels like. So I just want to encourage you. Um, you have time. You can make time. Um, and time that you do make to spend with Jesus, no matter how short or long it is, is going to be a blessing. It's going to always be time well spent. Um, but the hard thing is, it is a discipline. Um, and we must, and I want to just repeat, must find, make the time if we want to experience the full life that God has for us. And so he knows you're a mom. He made you a mom. And he's not going to give you anything that's going to keep you from spending time with him. Uh, So you can do it. And um, I would also say, like, this is a passionate part of my heart, the spending the time with him. And just I was really blessed early on to, to, I was a rule follower. And, and so that's kind of what, like when, when I was encouraged to do this, I just really did it. And it just became like a habit. And now it just is. But if you want encouragement or you need ideas or you have questions about how in the world, like, what do I do? And how, how do I fit this in? Call me, call any of us mentor moms, because we've got ideas and we've got encouragement for you um, on that. My husband has said to me before, and it sometimes stings a little bit, but he has said, you make time for the things that are most important to you. And we do. That's the truth. And so, um, you know, it sounds a little harsh, but we need to reevaluate kind of sometimes how we're spending our time. But it gets easier and easier and easier. And the beautiful thing about God's Word is the more you're in it, and I know that I'm telling you things you probably already know, but the more you're in it, the more you want to be in it. Um, it's like drinking water. I don't like drinking water, but the more I drink, the more I really actually like it. So, um, you know, it's good for us. It is good for us, and he wants what's good for us. He promises to fill us up and give us every single thing we need to live with him. And so know that. That's 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He's, he will equip you for everything he has for you to do. Um, you're his first priority, and, and he deserves and wants to be our first priority. Um, so find the time. And uh, even just the other day in the journey, I loved um, Ron Smith wrote, Jesus Christ is worth every minute spent with him. Um, I know it to be true, and I love that. Um, so there are a lot of truths, obviously, to find in the Word. But I thought of one today, Amy and I again. Um, what do we need as moms and women the most? It just occurred to me, we forget who we are in Christ. So I want to focus this morning on our identity. If you flip your page over, there is a tool to start with there 
um, of who God says you are. He tells us about ourselves in Scripture. I have loved this list. I know that I'm going to love it going forward. Um, but it is simple truth that will never be changed about who he says we are. Um, so he wants us to believe it, and he wants us to dwell in that truth. Um, another journey writer, I think just this week, said we get um, identity amnesia. Like we just start not believing the truth about who we are. So if you get nothing out of today and you just take one of those truths off the back, I think that would be a blessing to me and to you. And, but I, I hope you get more than that. But um, I think we would all agree as women, this is, a, this is an area of weakness for us. Um, so my other challenge to you is to meditate, to take two or three of these a week or however many you can digest and really just believe them, meditate on them, think on them, um, and just put them in your heart, put them in your mind. So Second um, Corinthians 5.17 does tell us who we are, that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation, has become a new person. So the old, old life is gone, the new life has begun. In, the, in those things, if you are in Christ, that's the new you. Okay, no matter when, when that was in your life, that's the new you. So use that tool, um, harp on them, camp on them, whatever you have to do. And remember, you're the apple of his eye. You're his prized possession. Um, let's make it a goal. I want to look at a few of those. My favorites, I kind of picked out some of my favorites that I need to know. Um, I am secure. I am victorious. I am set free. Um, and so kind of a, a part of my story um, is that my mom and dad, who actually are here in the back over there, um, married very young and longed to have children. And um, sadly, they, had, they experienced two late-term miscarriages before I was born. And they kind of thought, well, you know, doctors were saying, I don't know if you should do this, you know, or get pregnant again, but... But they did, and um, soon it was going to happen. They, and, and so my mom, uh, after a fragile pregnancy, bedridden pregnancy, like very, very long time in bed, um, I was born prematurely. And so this, they tell me this story. They told me this story growing up all the time, and they told other people this story growing up all the time. So it was just in here and in here, and they told me how precious and valued I was and it it never it it just shaped the way that I grew up, um, and and how their love for me was just so deep, um, and it's they it's been that kind of love till today, I mean unconditional, um, and of course I've made mistakes. I was a teenager once and a young adult, and even in those times, I mean like they convinced me that nothing could separate us, and even in discipline when I messed up, and they, they, I knew. Nothing could separate us. Um, and, so th and that was the love of Christ flowing through them. Um, that, that was my first indication of God's love. And so I just want us to think about how um, we get to be that first indication to our children of what God's love really looks like. And so what a privilege. I mean, that's amazing, really, if you think about it. So how are we going to, when we put this truth in our heads about who we are to him, is it going to flow out to our husbands and our kiddos? Um, but especially those kids, like we have such 
a great um, opportunity to just show that to them. And that shapes the way they think about God, um, most likely. It did for me. Um, so thanks, Mom and Dad, for that. Um, <laughs> I just feel like they can meet him every day through us. So um, hopefully that encourages you. And it, it definitely encourages me, even though my children are soon to be gone from my house. One already is. Um, so we have talked about how to be anchored in Christ's work now in his word. And I want to wrap up with another picture that God gave me um, this year, or actually last year. And, and if you're memorizing with us in Psalm 1, then you know even this very week, the verse is, we, met, we delight in the law of the Lord and his law. We meditate day and night. So that's kind of neat that that was this week. Um, but it says in Psalm 1, when we meditate day and night, we're going to be like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit each season, and our leaves will not wither, and we will prosper in all we do. And um, as I was praying, I think it was last year, um, Jeremiah 17 for my son, and that's real similar to Psalm 1. It does talk about the tree by the river and um, talks about when we trust in God that that's who we are. And so I, I was praying that over my son. Um, he is an Army cadet at the military academy, and I was sitting at a hotel there on top of the roof. That's on top of the roof of the hotel on campus there. And I had been meditating on this idea, and I look out, and it was just God just met me there in the most special way. Like, there was the river, and there were the trees. And he was just kind of saying to me, like, this is a great thing to pray for him while he's here. And then I realized, oh, wait, there's four trees in the picture. So there's a mom and a dad and a Benson and a Brooke. And so that's my prayer right now and will be for a long time for my family. Um, but I just, he, it was just a sweet, sweet way, I think, of helping me and maybe helping you to visualize really what that looks like and how strong we can be when we meditate. So I want you to take some time now again. Um, alone and quiet and think about your identity in Christ and what image do you carry of yourself that's not from God um, it could be from your own negative thoughts about yourself from other people telling you things or straight from the enemy but what image of yourself do you carry that's not from God and what truth about your identity maybe from that page or maybe another truth that you know will you replace it with I hate to cut off your time because I know that there's a lot to look at, and um, Jill has given us a lot of great stuff to take home um, and to just continue to um, look at and grow with, um, but we've got to finish this talk up. So um, my name is Amy Hullum, and this is the one family picture we got from 2016, and it's unfortunate because my husband's head is cut off, but we're glad that we got it, you know. Um, this is So my husband is Russ, and then um, the bright-eyed, but she tell them there is Luke, and he is, uh, he'll be eight in a couple weeks. Lila will be six in March, and then Tyler will be two on Tuesday. I'm kind of in denial, because he's still my baby, but um, he's getting bigger. So that's my family. And then um, the next picture um, are some other important people in my life. This is my community group, and um, I wanted to show you all a picture of them, because um, we've been together for like 11 years, 
And um, so, like, we were all newlyweds when we were, like, went through a foundation group together, stayed together as a community group. And, um, and I'm going to talk a lot about them today because they've played a big role in my life, and they continue to. Um, but it's funny because I look at this picture. This was taken back in, I think, November. And um, a couple of years ago, we started looking at pictures from, like, the beginning. And it was like, oh, we were... We were so young and, like, didn't look tired or anything. And so, you know, I mean, so we, we've, we've grown up a little bit. It makes me feel like an adult to feel like, to say that I have an 8-year-old and that I um, have been with these people for 11 years in adulthood. So, um, anyway, these are just my people I'm thankful for. But, um, basically, um, when I was 8 years old, um, I went to a vacation Bible school at my grandparents' church. And... Um, made a decision there to enter into a relationship with Christ and prayed there to receive him as my Savior um, and to trust in him. And my very childlike faith at that point was, um, was focused on the fact that I knew that when I died, I would go to heaven and spend eternity with him. And that was what I, that's how I viewed salvation. That's how I viewed his grace. That's what I thought, that's what I thought all Christianity was about. And I think that would be enough if that was all that it was about, right? Like, that's so much more than we deserve, right? But there's so much more to it. Um, And so um, the verse that comes to mind is um, John 10.10, where it says, The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you have life and that you have it abundantly. And so he has come, like this... When I, when I chose for, to, to follow him and to become a Christian, um, I chose him as my anchor. Like, that's, that's where I am. I am a Christian. I am a believer. Um, and so my, my sweet friend Allie, who's in my community group, do this for me. Um, this is my anchor that has the cross on it. Um, anchored in Christ at that point. Um, but we're also told that we're going to have hard things that happen in our lives. We're going to have waves that come and rock our boats. Um, and so I'm thankful that I had that anchor in Christ. Um, and for a long time, I would think, okay, but, but when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. You know, that was, that was where my hope was. That was, that was where I was, um, you know, finding that, finding that peace and that hope. Um, but if you'll open your Bibles, if you brought them with you, to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 17 and see what else he says. This is Paul writing. I'm just going to read it. Like, it's going to be up there, but you might not be able to read it. Um, but we're going to read 1 through 17. It says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, see- is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, Then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in, in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth, Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So I'm going to stop there just for a second. We're going to finish that in a second. But 
So basically, we have this old self that we can turn to every once in a while, right? Like these are the things that, like he just listed all of those things. We're we're supposed to put those things off when we're we're pursuing Christ-likeness. When we're trying to be anchored in Christ and keeping our eyes fixed on him, we're supposed to be putting those aside. And then we have the things over here, which are going to be the new, okay? Let's read about those. So continuing on, it says, um, verse 10, put on the new self, then 11, um, put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with the thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So to get that abundant life, like the, the life that Christ came and died for here on earth, like we have, we have that eternal life, right? But we also have this abundant life that we can have here if we are willing to give up the old and put on the new. And so I was like, well, what does that mean? Because like, do you just go over and get like into your jewelry box and put on your kindness necklace today? Because it's not that easy, right? Um, We have these old things that we sometimes want to return to. Um, And so we have to, um, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, which is the new over here. God's will for us is that we would put on the new and cast off the old. <clears throat> um, and it's just, it's not that easy. And so I was going to share with you all just some, some things today um, where I can look back in my life And waves have come, like the hard things have happened. And I have turned back and put on that old self, and it's been destructive. But God has been so faithful and has been so good to use tools that he's given us to get me back to where I can be putting on the new self instead. And so the first one is just in my marriage. So um, I showed you that picture at the beginning of my husband, Russ, and he's here. But... um, We've been, it'll be 12 years in June that we will have been married. Um, And the first seven years were pretty bad. Like, and we were here, we were in community, we were, we were known by people, we were serving, we were in the word. Um, But the waves that came with our marriage were unmet expectations. And then we have really horrible communication. Like, I know that communication in marriage is hard anyway, but people have looked at us and said, oh, yeah, y'all are really bad at that. Like, <laughs> like, you have to work extra hard to communicate well with each other and to really hear each other. And, like, our community group has been in the room, and they've been like, okay, Amy, do you hear 
Russ saying that. I'm like, well, I hear him saying this. I'm like, no, he's saying this. And so like, they've had to really sit with us and say, you've got to listen to each other. You've got to do that. But, in the, but even in all of that, he and I were both turning to our old ways. And for me, like, it looked different for us. Um, and he's not up here talking, so he's not going to talk about his. But, um, but for me, it was being prideful and being angry. And it, it, for seven years, I would have said I was married to my problem. And I would have convinced people around me to think, oh, she's married to her problem. Like, he's, he's, he's not good. Like, no wonder she's upset or prideful or whatever. Um, but truthfully, it took me getting to a place where, um, where I was willing to look at myself and go, oh, <laughs> that's really ugly. Um, and I think of a time that he and I were arguing, and we're both escalators, which is awesome. Um, and so <laughs> we were talking and like yelling and you know, all that. And we get to the point where it's like, I'm definitely wrong. Like, I can definitely realize that there's something wrong. And I look at him and I'm like, in, in my heart, I know I'm supposed to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. But I look at him and I'm like, I'm not saying it. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I know I'm supposed to, I'm not, I'll say it later. Like, and, it, and, like, and I would do that for a long time, but then I, the Lord just brought me to a place where he exposed how ugly that was and exposed it. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm doing that. Like, I'm, I'm allowing that to creep in. I'm, I'm choosing that instead of putting on the new. Um, and so through listening to different talks and um, our community group was actually, they were actually very helpful in pointing that out to me and being like, okay, you should look at yourself, you know, draw the circle, look at yourself. And, um, but it took me a long time to actually do that because I was so convinced that Russ was the problem. Um, and so also in the Lord's goodness and in his timing, he was working in Russ's life and working in his heart. And so, and he also was able to start working through his stuff. And so this prideful, angry, bitter wife over here, which is not God's will, turned into someone who, where I could turn to Christ and say, I need to respond in humility. I need to be a kind person. I need to love my husband better. And I'll tell you, there's a talk that, I told Jeannie Cox this before, but there's a talk that she did like in 2009. You can go back and listen to it. Um, just about the role of a biblical wife. And that was life-changing for me and in our marriage for me to listen to that and be like, oh, like, I'm not a kind person to him. I'm not loving him well. I'm not being 1 Corinthians 13. I am not patient. I am not kind. Um, and I am definitely seeking my own. And so, um, so that's one of the ways that, that, that my relationship with Christ has brought me from being in that old to the new. The second one um, is in our parenting. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, nobody gets to the end of being a parent and said, oh, that, that was so easy. I mean, that was just, that was really easy. But I will say, our oldest, um, uh, he is kind of like the textbook James Dobson um, strong-willed kid. And, um, and then, like, on the, if there's, like, a range of, like, compliant kid to defiant kid, he's kind of over here. And so the combination of those things um, has just been tough. Like, when he, was, when he was two, he was a runner, okay? And so, like, the defiant, strong-willed kid, when they're also a runner, you know, they're running away from you. And you're like, no, stop. And he's laughing and he's running. And I'm like, no, 
come back. Like, this is for your safety. Come back. Um, and so we had to kind of change our lives a little bit to where I wasn't in a place where he was in danger because he wasn't listening to me and being defiant and thinking it's funny. Um, when he was four, um, that changed and things looked a little bit different. But it's the strong willness and the defiance has grown with him. And it has been one of the most trying things for me as a mom. Like, it probably is the most trying thing. Um, and part of that is because I don't think I was like that growing up. I think there is some strong will in me, but I don't think I was defiant. I think I was, I, I pretty much like to follow rules and, and go along. Um, and so just wrapping my brain around what he's doing and what, what that sin looks like in his life, and then knowing how to parent it and then feeling like there's no fruit coming from the things that I'm doing, um, it's just hard. And so when I'm over here in my old self facing that, um, I am impatient. I am um, I'm controlling. I am angry. My words can, like, he doesn't act like they cut him down, but they do. Like, I, and, and because of that, I feel like I can do it more often or I'm, I'm looser with my, with my tongue than I should be because he doesn't seem to be affected by it. Um, but that's what I'm like over here. And that is not God's will. God's will is not that I would be an angry, frustrated, controlling mother. Um, his will would be over here um, with the newness. And it's like that verse 12 says, um, putting on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Um, and that is so hard sometimes when, when you just don't, go, don't get your kid. And then we can also tell that he does that mostly at home. Like he, he doesn't do that for teachers at school or for people here at church. So he saves that kind of because he's comfortable with us, right? Um, but so I'm encouraged that it's not happening everywhere, but then it's also like, but I'm your mom. Like I, I shop for the food for you. I cook, I pack your lunch, I um, do your laundry. Like I do all these things for you. You should be like extra nice to me. Um, but... But what I've realized, and this was, this was true in my marriage, and it's also true as a mom, is that my role as a, as a mom that wants to follow Christ is not contingent on how good my kid is or how well he behaves. Um, and when I'm over here, I'm comparing him to other people. I'm comparing him to my other kids. Um, because I, I tell this story, and I, it sounds like a joke, but it's the absolute truth. So like, we're taught that we're supposed to teach our kids that, you know, to, um, that first-time obedience, right? Like, yeah, come here. Come on, let's go. Um, and they just, and, they, and you, you discipline, and you get them to where they do that. The first time that I experienced a child really obeying me for the first time that was one of my kids, was, we were out in the front yard. Luke was three. Lila was one. And he was being picked up to go somewhere. And he got in the car, and I was like, okay, Lila, let's go in. And she, like, she walked with me. And it was like, record scratch, like, what just happened? Like, did you just do what I said to do? Like, did you just come and you didn't, like, look at me like, I'm not coming with you or running away. Um, that was the first time that without lots of training and lots of expectations and lots of, like, okay, in two minutes we're leaving. Like, <laughs> she just came with me. And so, so, but over here, I'm comparing, I'm going, what's wrong with this, with, with my child? Like, why, why can't he just do what those other kids are doing? Um, and in our community group, we all have firstborn boys. He's the only one that's like that. Everybody else is, and, and okay, so we have 17 kids between us now, so they're not all like that. But like of those first five boys, 
he was the only one that wouldn't like sit in the circle or um, stay where he was supposed to stay or like, you know, all the things. And so, um, but that's not, that's not true. And, and part of, okay, so Colossians 3.16 says that we have that word, we have his word dwelling in us. And, um, and so with Luke, when I think about him, um, I think about God's word, I'm reminded that he was, he's fearfully and wonderfully made. He was designed by God and his, God has a perfect purpose for him. Um, he's a gift to us. Um, and, um, and we love him so much. It's like, he's so funny and so fun and we love him so much, but we still can hate so much of what he does that I understand how, or I have an idea of how God loves us, how he loves us so much. Um, even though he probably looks at something and I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, that's not the right thing to do. Um, and so when I have that truth in my mind, the way that I'm able to fulfill my role as a mom with my kids just looks different. It's not the old way, it's the new way. Um, and then my last one, um, you know, that, the verse Proverbs, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 11, the one about vomit. Um, yeah, so Proverbs 26, 11, where it says, like a dog returns to it vomit, so a fool returns to its folly. So anytime, basically, that I'm not fixing my eyes on Christ, I'm fixing my eyes on myself. And the vomit that I return to over here is insecurity. And it's just, it's, like I can, I can recognize it because my brain gets so tangled around thinking what other people are thinking about me. Like, did I, did I come across the wrong way in that text? Was my email, did that, was I, was I clear? Was I misunderstood in that conversation? Did that person think the wrong thing? And I get so wrapped up in thinking what other people are thinking about me that I'm sure that they're not because nobody has the time to think about me the way that I think they're thinking about me, you know? <laughs> like, we all have people that we're taking care of and ourselves and all that. And so nobody's really thinking about it, but I, be- I totally believe that people are. And, um, and one of the great things, the way that God has used my husband is that he is totally not that way. Like, he doesn't care what people think at all. And so... Um, so he can look at me now, and like now that we've worked on our communication skills, um, he can look at me and he can say, hey, you know that thing that you do where you're thinking about the things that people are thinking about you and you're thinking too much about it? You're kind of doing that. And it's so good because then I can go, you're, you know, I am. I'm, nobody cares. I'm thinking too much about this. Um, but you know what another, another way to say that is? That is more pride. It looks different than the pride in my marriage, but it is pride. If, if my thoughts are more on me than they are on Christ and what he would have me do, that's pride. And that's over here in the old. And so, um, so when I'm allowing, when, I, when I'm aware of that and when the Lord has exposed that in my life and when I am um, seeking to be renewed, renewed in my mind, renewed in my heart, and I move back over here, I'm reminded of who I am in Christ and who I am because of this relationship with Christ. And, um, and that makes all the difference. Um, and I'm able to say, I don't want my mind to be filled with thoughts about myself or what people are thinking. Um, that is... That is a snare. That is a trap. Um, And just like that verse at the beginning that I talked about, John 10, 10, that says, um, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's over here. And um, and if if I'm being prideful in my marriage or being ugly in my parenting or being tangled up in my thoughts about myself, 
then he is stealing my joy. He is, he is wrecking my relationships. He is wrecking my life. He's destroying stuff over here if I'm allowing um, that to happen and if I'm making that choice to be the old. Um, but in the new is where that full life is. Um, and so I, I firmly believe um, that the tools God has given us to move from the old to the new in a, like, is um, his spirit. I think that he convicts us when we spend time with him. He'll, he'll shine a light on the areas that are the old. Um, and I think that he uses his word. We know that he uses his word to transform us. So spending time reading your Bible, it will reveal things. It will show you the way that we're supposed to walk. Um, and then using his people, having, like, being in biblical community, whether it's like an official community group here at Watermark or it's people that are like-minded and seeking Christ and, and understand your life stage. Um, but those are the tools that he uses to get us from old to new. Um, and so what I want you to do is just spend... Um, a little time thinking, like, what are the waves in your life right now? And it may not be that you're, mar- that you're in year seven of a bad marriage, okay? It may not be that you have a strong little kid. It may be that, um, that you haven't slept in like six months or um, that maybe you're staying home where you've been, you've been working before and you're adjusting to that. And it just, it's not a bad thing, but it's just a wave. It's just rocking you, okay? So what, like, what are your waves Identify those, and y'all can talk about those around your table. And then what are, what are the old things that you're drawn to? Like, what, what are the things that, that are kind of your go-to responses if you're not fixed with your eyes on Christ? Um, and then, if you have extra time, you, can, you need to think through, what is God's will in that situation? What is Christ's will for you? What's the new self that you can be putting on in place of that old self? Um, so those are your questions to talk about. Well, that was just a treat. I don't know about you, but I got some good stuff out of that. And so I just want to say thank you for coming. I know that um, it's a full morning by the time you buckle up all those kids and dress them and feed them and get them here and unloading in the parking lot and childcare is like a mile from the loft and I get it. And so I'm thankful that y'all went through that effort to come and be refueled. And so we know in a room this size, it's a group of women that comes from all walks of life. And so different places of faith, Um, different places of just circumstances and family dynamics and all that. And so if there's ever anything we can do to just help better serve you, um, anybody in a green shirt is here to help you. So your table leader is a good person to reach out to. Anyone else in a green shirt, any of our speakers, our mentor moms, that's what we're here for. So please let us know if there's anything we can do to better serve you. Um, So glad you're here. Our next um, event is in February. And so we're super pumped about Anchored and Hope And so I hope you can come. Registration for that opens next week. Um, It is about 1045-ish. And so, no, 11, 1145-ish. You're like, what? Going downstairs for some coffee. Okay, 1145. Um, uh, So wrap up your conversations. Go potty and leisurely go get your little, I said potty, on stage. Why? Why in a group? We're moms. Sorry about that. Feel free to use the restroom, um, and then you can go get your kids. Okay, bye.